When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome to The Spark Parade, where I geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration. I'm Adam Unz. Thanks so much for joining me this week. My guest is actor and musician Johnny Flynn, who is sparked by William Butler Yeats's poem, The Song of Wandering Angus. This is a really lovely, quite wide-ranging chat. We obviously get into Johnny's personal connection to the poem, which uh, stems from a variety of sources, including seeing his friend Jez Butterworth's play The River, which opens with this poem, and also his childhood wanderings through the natural world. But uh, we also dig into broader concepts like the influence of ancient folklore on modern art and the notion that there are no new ideas. So... A lot of ground to cover on this one, and I think we should just dive right in. So, quick Johnny facts. Johnny Flynn is an English actor and musician. As an actor, he has starred in the Channel 4 and Netflix television sitcom Lovesick, and he portrayed David Bowie in the film Stardust. He is the lead singer and songwriter of the band Johnny Flynn and the Sussex Wit, and he has released five studio albums, including his latest release, Lost in the Cedar Wood, a project he created with writer Robert McFarlane that is out now. Quick Song of Wandering Angus facts. The Song of Wandering Angus is a poem by Irish poet William Butler Yeats. It was first published in 1897. The poem is told from the point of view of an old man who, at some point in his past, had a fantastical experience in which a silver trout he had caught and laid on the floor turned into a glimmering girl who called him by his name, then vanished. He became infatuated with her and remains devoted to finding her again. And it's quite short, so I might as well read it, right? Here you go. <clears throat> I went out to the hazel wood because a fire was in my head and cut and peeled a hazel wand and hooked a berry to a thread. And when white moths were on the wing and moth-like stars were flickering out, I dropped the berry in a stream and caught a little silver trout. When I had laid it on the floor, I went to blow the fire aflame, but something rustled on the floor, and someone called me by my name. It had become a glimmering girl with apple blossom in her hair, who called me by my name and ran and faded through the brightening air. Though I am old with wandering through hollow lands and hilly lands, I will find out where she has gone and kiss her lips and take her hands and walk among long dappled grass and pluck till time and times are done the silver apples of the moon, the golden apples of the sun. Okay, so I think you've got a handle on the basics, don't you? Uh, so let's get on with the show. Here comes my chat with Johnny Flynn about the song of Wandering Angus. Do you remember being introduced to this poem? Yeah, I mean, I think I 
I used to, when I was um, a teenager, I discovered this band, uh, Silver Apples, mm-hmm. who were an American, New York, like, I think they're New York based, um, yeah. kind of psychedelic, uh, electronic, early, early um, synthesizer users in, in music, kind of groundbreaking, really cool, like, like an electronic Velvet Underground or something, but really, um, yeah, I loved them. And, uh, and they're, they're called silver apples, which is a lot, which is um, a phrase from the poem at the end of the poem. But I didn't know that then. And then I suppose I the first time it like I can remember it really landing landing with me because um, it was used. I think I think it was just in the program notes of a play uh, that I went to see on my own when I was in New York, and it was written by a friend of mine called Jez Butterworth, and it's a play called The River. Uh-huh. Um, it's possible that it's in the play, but anyway, my memory of it was either either listening to it from one of the actors just as part of the play, or 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 reading it in the program. And and I know Jez, and I know the way his magical kind of creative mind works in terms of inspiration. And he's got he has this kind of there's a magic to him, and that that the poem has there's, there's a magic to it. It's the magic of of nature and the mystery and the kind of lunacy that that Yeats. Uh, embraces of being in, in nature and uh anyway i read this poem and just it just like floored me and then i watched the play and that floored me as well and especially they they related to each other very well it was about play was about um uh a man kind of and and this river basically and 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 a sort of yeah kind of lunacy about his relationship to the to the river and and that 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 that, that lunacy that craziness is 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 embodied by this poem which is quite a short poem but it kind of goes from particular things to being something just totally other which is like what what I often feel when I'm walking in nature if I go on a long walk I sort of start kind of with my rational mind coming from the the metropolis of whatever you know organized brain and then I, I slowly dissolve into like just like molecules that are you know part bluebell part hazelwood put you know and, and just thinking a bit more like the trees or something and 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 i think that's what i like about the poem yeah it's it's in preparing for this i, I was kind of thinking about I, i've had this uh conversation with a lot of people when they've spoken about fine art um mm. saying that it's you're able to experience it on a lot of different levels it's like the mm. kind of visceral emotional experience of it kind of taking it at face value and just saying that's a beautiful piece of art. Um, taking in the historical context, the you know illusions, any other uh, external meaning that's not uh, necessarily immediately available to you when you read it. And I think the same kind of goes for poetry. That it's like, uh, especially with Yeats, that there's mm. these layers of meaning. And yeah, I think that that like what you've just encapsulated is like. Uh, quite a few of those different layers of meaning all in your personal experience that it's about like your connection to your friend's play, um, your connection to the world around you, and also just, again, appreciating it at face value as this beautiful piece of art. Um, Mm. And that's kind of the one of the uh, amazing parts of Yeats's work is that it can do all of that from this very condensed piece of writing. Yeah. 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 There's, um, there's a, there's an impressionistic 
quality well to that's i suppose to all poetry but especially with yeats there's some yeah there's 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 something there's an immediacy to to it and a kind of urgency to it and um it can be sort of heart heartbreaking and enriching all at once as there's there is a sort of madness in in yeats's poetry which i really which i love uh which is maybe his that's maybe his soul um mm kind of walking that line uh, like a lot of great artists but yeah I you know I really wanted to choose um a piece of fine art a painting for this for this chat because it's rare that I get to talk about you know things that aren't you know word word based or music based and Mm. um and I you know there's many paintings that I love and my you know my, my wife's a painter I'm in her painting studio right now and we're surrounded by art we've got loads of paintings by friends that we love and have collected and but I just, there wasn't one that I have, like, that I go back to repeat. You know, I have, like, every now and then I'll, I'll go to, like, a exhibition. I was we're trying to think of the last show that I went to before COVID. And, and I was asking my wife and we're like, yeah, we went to that Picasso thing. But I was thinking, like, through all the paintings and we've got loads of postcards. And stuff, but there isn't one that I would hold up and be like, this changed my life. I think I, I, I have been inspired and, and altered and and profoundly connected to exhibitions and paintings when I've gone to shows and stuff but often yeah it's sort of all of it's all art in that in that sense all visual art and and yeah the thing about painting and possibly with poetry and maybe with songs as well is there's there's something other that you can't define because it's a combination of many things there's an impression abstract sort of you can't pinpoint why why it makes you feel the way you do Mm. If it's any good, um, there's a lot of space in it to allow the the listener, the reader, the watcher to engage with their experience and things like that. Maybe that's a bit like what you're what you're talking about with with um, people choosing paintings. I was worried I wouldn't have enough to say about painting, <laughs> but this poem this poem does you know really mean something to me. And I wrote a song sort of inspired by it because the poem's called "The Song of Wandering Angus," and I I wrote this song where. It's about somebody who has just heard that song, but whatever that song is, you know, hmm. that is sort of alluded to or the spirit of it is held in the poem. But I wanted to write a song that kind of broadened that universe of the energy of the poem. Uh, it's called Wandering Angus, uh, hmm. very originally. Um, and the power that there's somebody going out into the world with the power of the of the song. Yeah. So, yeah, so it obviously meant enough for me to write a song about it. Yeah, yeah. And that's a, a kind of another recurring theme around here is this cycle of art begetting art. Um, the, mm. you know, people drawing inspiration from creative works and then making their own stuff. And I think this poem is a, a really good example because it has inspired so many different artworks. Um, yeah. But also it, there's a lot of inspiration for uh, that uh Yeats drew from for this poem a lot of uh, interpretations you know there's like a huge list of all of these different you know his involvement with the golden dawn making people think that it was like the paranormal his attraction to the paranormal that was just wanting him to making him want to talk about things that were a bit otherworldly his Irish nationalism wanting making him want to talk about things that were related to Irish mythology um, mm-hmm. you know his relationship with Maud Gon who he's absolutely obsessed with and it was this kind of unrequited love being another inspiration but also taking that irish mythology 
which is, you know, even though it's folklore, it's uh, part of an oral tradition, it's still mm. art. And he's been inspired by this other story that's like, you know, dissimilar, but has commonality. And just thinking of that very ancient story having inspired this poem, which then inspired yeah. you, inspired Jess Butterworth's play inspired the Silver Apples, all of these other uh, people mm -hmm. just kind of branching out and how art is like a, a bit of a family tree in that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, well, that's, I suppose, yeah, it, the poem is, is, is part of a lineage, as you say, you know, like, like Shakespeare's plays or mm, exactly um, many other great architecturally sort of, you know, well-built pieces of art that actually yeah, all the good ones um, openly owe a lot to to other stories, to older stories, and um, I th yeah, you know, it fits very well into my kind of obsession with folk storytelling and and the yeah the lineage. You know, the, my dad was Irish, and so there's always this romantic thing about the Irish um, writers for me. And Yeats is kind of central to that. And then, like you say, the older tale of of Angus, which is uh, I think like an eighth century Irish ballad about an ancient god. And I love those little. I, for me, that's just really delicious. Those those that feeling of something ancient and and how you know, walking down the paths of uh, of these stories and opening the channels of stories that people have sung and told for eons does does something to you. It kind of, it lets that in. You become, yeah, you become, you know, potentially blessed with the wisdom of, of, of people who've walked before you. And that's, anyway, that's what I dream of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think also just knowing that there is that influence of this much older story, but that he's taken it and interpreted it into uh, something that is very much his own and felt like something that was more suited to the, you know, his modern world, that there's all of these very, or at least uh, uh, something that that world could relate to. There's all of these very common human themes you know love regret aging um that mm. uh, and all of that stuff all of those complex um ideas being you know crammed into this short poem but it doesn't feel mm -hmm. like he's you know trying to really pack in as many ideas as he can it's all very natural yeah and it yeah. takes you on this journey that extends from this one moment through, you know, however long his life is that he's got yeah. this obsession that it's like he's he's going to find this woman. Yeah. And just kind of thinking back on his life as well, um, that that was really powerful to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, like you say, there's there's so much packed in and it doesn't feel like he's trying too hard because it feels like he has to say these things in the way that he's saying them there's no uh i think that's what yeah what makes yates such a good writer is there's no there's not a wasted syllable and and yeah every every single one is also so kind of delicious and and the kind of mixed metaphors and the allegory and the power and sense of meaning with it all and that you know the other thing i like about it is um i relate to this experience that's sort of described in the poem of finding the, the fish and <laughs> it being a kind of mystical moment we grew up, I grew up next to a chalk stream river in England called the River Test. And it was, it's, um, it's the most beautiful kind of trout, trout river, chalk stream. And, uh, we used to go, you know, poaching and, and, uh, 
we my dad befriended all the river keepers so we used to get free fishing and then if we couldn't get any free fishing we'd go we'd steal out across the fields from where we lived to to a few of the kind of secret spots and kind of just steal a few hours fishing because it was a very exclusive kind of uh fishing club if you if you uh, which we wouldn't we had no money so it was it wasn't it wasn't an option to kind of join the the thing but i grew up with the romance of, of fly fishing and um but we used to walk along the river almost every day go on these long long walks and at various points the the, the river kind of braided into these different streams and um you would be walking over loads of bridges because the, the paths kind of took you over all the little at times it kind of came all back together and and in a big fat river and then and then other times it was these water meadows and little the river was this mysterious kind of every corner you turn there's another bit of the river but I remember one time going over one of my favorite stretches kind of way out in these fields over down a, a path and there's this tiny bridge and I crossed the bridge and I climbed down to get down to the river and under the bridge under a ledge there was just this um fat trout fat um silver trout and I and I got uh, this kind of bulrush reed thing and I remember tickling it under the belly and it didn't move it just kind of stared at me and um because I was well entrenched in the kind of this mythical love of trout from from the fishing obsession this this moment with this fish was like was really profound it was like for me it was it was a nothing short of a you know mystical kind of spiritual experience somehow <laughs> tickling this trout and um I think you know so so the the power of that as a as a young kid and several other um very quiet private moments in nature kind of seeing a hawk take off in a field or whatever you know when you're completely on your own and just that that moment that you you saw that and no, nobody else saw that is in the poem as well and it means a lot you know it's an allegory or it is this has a sense of meaning to to yates in the poem but i i i guess i i i dug that i got that yeah from from my own experience yeah and it, that makes me think of just the feeling of being a child and having having an experience like that. Like that feels magical. And mm. the, this poem has, you know, more explicit, fantastic, magical elements in it. But my feeling, my, you know, what I remember of being a child and having those moments where like you're kind of on your own, there's no one else around and something happens that is like really exciting and feels really unusual, but it's this private thing for you. And it's amazing that again, this poem that deals with quite adult themes still has that kind of callback as well, that it's like this connection to the natural world, this connection to these kind of private secret moments that people have um, yeah. where amazing things happen and no one else is around to experience it with you and kind of the power of having those private moments. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think I think that's something that maybe more people have had this year than 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 before because of um the time we've spent you know getting our one hour of exercise out and yeah. we live next to the um hackney marshes and it's really mm. incredible uh it's a lovely you know sort of semi-wild spot and all sorts of beautiful birds and but you know this time last year as we were in the first um lockdown and there was no noise pollution from the airplanes and stuff the bird song just seemed kind of like more luminescent and brighter and more kind of serene and beautiful than ever and there were so many people so many more people discovering those those spots and and being out there and 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 you know hopefully having that that kind of mystical experience by being in nature and i was really excited by that i thought 
this is one of the best things about what what's happening, uh, which is generally quite rubbish. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but you know the fact that people are kind of getting out and seeing things in a different way uh, must be a good thing. And and we and I was writing um, this this last year. I've been writing an album with a friend of mine, Robert McFarlane, who's a big influence on on me was before I knew him personally as a writer and loved his books about nature and walking and pilgrimage and mountaineering and and um one of his more recent books underland is about things beneath the soil under, underground and anyway and this year we started writing an album based on the epic of Gilgamesh mm. which is um the first written story um pretty much is the orig- it's like the original story yeah and all the things that we're talking about in terms of Yeats is um, tapping into the lin- lin- lineage of this ancient folk tale, and it, you know the things that we were thinking about in, t- in relation to Gilgamesh and, and writing songs inspired by different episodes of that that also related to different emotional kind of uh, pockets that we would found ourselves in with lockdown and COVID and everything, and um, moments of grief and moments of joy, but uh, often moments of being kind of completely overwhelmed by birdsong or Nate, you know, being sitting under a willow by the river or whatever. Anyway, so that that's all in this new album. So I've been in that I've been in that zone quite a lot of just kind of being beautifully overwhelmed by by nature in the last year, which I'm very grateful for. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, there's something kind of uh, almost overwhelming about being able to draw inspiration from these really ancient ideas really ancient texts that is like it kind of reminds me i i went to um i was at the acropolis and uh was with a couple of friends and one of them was greek and he just was like very overwhelmed by the history of the place and like was wearing uh flip-flops and just like took them off and was like i just want to feel like where the ancient people stood and you know that's a bit dramatic but it's like this yeah just thinking like this is how this very ancient story has inspired me. This is what it's making me write and thinking mm. the people who wrote this story or at least, you know, told told it, put it, uh, committed it to paper for the first time. What were they thinking? How How is this story inspiring them? And is it, you know, are there similar ideas that have been passed down through the centuries or is it something completely different? And, you know, again, I think that's the, the one of the most powerful uh, uh, things about art of any form, but especially art forms that can uh, are a little more open open to interpretation, is that there are all of these possibilities. There are commonalities between um, the experiences that people have with certain stories or paintings or whatever, but that there's also, I don't know if it's limitless, but there's, you know, a many, many, many different variations and interpretations um, that, that mm. can come from things. And I think that's so amazing. And again, that, that idea of, you know, the artistic family tree, that it's like all of these little branches coming off of these central tenants mm-hmm. that are these ancient stories. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I love, I love all that. And I think, yeah, we don't, we, you know, sadly we don't, it's it's all there, but we don't um, we don't live in a in a in a culture that is actively engaging with um, the heritage of of those stories. Um, you know, from often enough, I think, as far as I'm concerned, I think there's so much power and wisdom in it's it. Yeah, for me, it's not. I think people think it's um, archaic or that you know, looking to the past like that is not being 
you know you know visionary enough or not looking forward or not being not acknowledging what's happening now or something but i i feel like it's the opposite i feel like the those stories are the things that allow us to see this moment more clearly because it's how we tell those stories now that that counts and and like you said it's yeah the the evolution of that um is what's interesting and i think that's what you know my love of folk songs and folk storytelling is is to do with that there's this there's this cool marla quote that somebody told me which is tradition is tending the flame not worshiping the ashes which is i think the right way to feel about this stuff you know there are there are there are only so many stories according to joseph campbell or whoever and and like but it's true actually there's there's that one there's that one there's that one and then it's maybe that one. <laughs> and unless you can understand those stories, you won't be able to know which situation you're in and what, what, how you need to rise to that occasion and which story needs to be told in which moment because, yeah, the situation changes, but the, the stories often often don't. And, yeah, I find them invigorating and exciting to, to tell again and again. Anyway, that's, that's what Yeats does. Yeah. Um, he summons some kind of ancient spirit um, <laughs> in this poem and told it, for, for the age that he was in, but it applies to now. It's timeless. And I love that line, and pluck till time and times are done. So he's still he's still doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. 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 No, that's cool. Yeah. I think that idea of there only being so many stories, there only being so many of anything, like, you know, assuming that everything's been done before and a lot of people kind of rail against that and really want to be truly original and mm it's it's kind of a losing battle it's like you yeah. you know that regardless of whether you acknowledge it or not everybody is influenced by something <laughs> and um mm. you know whether it's conscious or not um doesn't really matter it's it, you know every all art is part of a bigger tradition and trying to generate new ideas new ways of looking at those tenets of storytelling the you know the pillars of storytelling whatever is that should it in my mind should be the the pursuit instead of saying i am going to you know mm. reinvent the wheel and people like yates i think provide key stepping stones towards you know producing work that uh acknowledges the past but still strives to kind of put your own mark on it um and mm. i think that's the best anyone can really do or hope for and that and that that's good enough that's that's uh perfect that's what art should be yeah 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 it, yeah Absolutely. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's, a, there's an architecture in, in things that I just like, it's, it's so interesting to see the commonality. Like, you know, you think about ancient civilizations and, and the way human beings in complete separation kind of evolved to have similar principles and ideas of beauty and, and things like that in lots of ways mm-hmm. in, in, in indigenous, ancient indigenous cultures or ancient civilizations and, and all these, I don't know, I've been thinking about like, the, the 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 pyramids of South America that that they the Spanish made them destroy and and build Catholic churches on top of and stuff and you know it seems like no accident that that shape appears all over the place and um so that th- yeah there's there are these shapes and stories kind of naturally within us and I think to deny that stuff and to, like you say to kind of try and reinvent everything is 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 sort of um, arrogant or mm-hmm. something and I feel I feel like that's that trying to kind of write a new story is is it's like 
the stuff of it's like where extreme ideology begins and it's it's it lacks kind of compassion or something yeah um or yeah yeah something. and there's I just there's too much stuff in the world I, like if if another thing that we have learned this year is that there is plenty of content out there for people to engage with and anybody who says that they've created something that is actually new immediately will have five thousand detractors saying well it's quite reminiscent of this <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah 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 i like embracing the inspiration behind things and yeah it's funny like i don't know some i have some friends who are who deny that shakespeare wrote the the plays and i have no problem with that viewpoint uh or that argument i don't i don't i don't really buy it but what i what i think is in looking at it it's like it's quite easy to see how he did write the plays because he's basically you know he's rewriting all these old stories and they existed and you know everyone would have known this one or that one and he was also writing for a group of people that he knew really well and mm. um and and adapting them in a, in a brilliant beautiful way for for his time for his age and anyway so that that yeah i think about that stuff sometimes mm. um <laughs> anyway i digress yeah, yeah. um yeah i uh think that <laughs> uh we have covered our bases um i feel very good uh do you oh, good. Do you feel good i feel good yeah 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 that was really fun yeah great i'm glad i chose that poem yeah me too um, um well, you must have known it right yeah 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 okay yeah good. yeah i realize now actually it's just like a really might be a really obvious one but at least it's something that some people might have a, a feeling for no i think um, that's uh like something that's familiar but not like the poem that everyone knows and loves and reads it's like it's something that people have heard of but um is perfect for this kind of discussion so cool. well done you <laughs> <laughs> thanks this was really fun thank you very much yeah thank you so much yeah i really enjoyed it yeah, yeah. um all right, thank man. you so much this was really really yeah. fun yeah yeah likewise thank you all right Cheers, Adam. take care all right man take care bye bye Thanks again to Johnny for chatting with me. Uh, I love when interviews end with a little uh, thank you battle like that. Like we're both so pleased with the conversation that it's kind of thank you. No. Oh, yes. Thank you. Yes. But no, really. Thank you. Back and forth forever. Um, but seriously, I enjoyed that so much. Uh, you can download and stream Johnny's latest album with Robert McFarlane, Lost in the Cedar Wood, right now from everywhere you download and stream albums. So you should. Uh, okay, just a quick little spark of inspiration from me. It is getting hot in New York City. I can be outside as much as I want to, which feels amazing after this long-ass year being trapped in this cave that is my apartment. And I've been going for long walks and listening to music, and I've been going through a bit of a disco phase, because mm, I'm a massive gay, I guess. Um, and one of my favorite disco artists is Evelyn Champagne King, and I've been playing her greatest hits a lot. I love the sound of her voice. The music is full of joy and it's perfect for hot and sunny weather. So just give her greatest hits a little listen if you want to uh, join me in the feeling of excitement and release that comes from the start of summer. Uh, okay, great. That's all she wrote, I think. Um, if you love this show, please help to spread the word by recommending it to a friend. I know that's a cheesy request, but that really is a great way to help the show grow. Follow me on social media if you like, at Spark Parade on all platforms. And that's it. Uh, have a lovely week. Enjoy the sunshine if it's sunny where you are. And until next time, bye-bye.
Could it be the giant pink dress? <gasps> you didn't like what you didn't like a Jimbo outfit? How dare you? I know. Hi, I'm Mijan. And I'm Nick. I like to call myself a semi-drag race expert. And I've never seen it before. So join us on our podcast, Whispering Hunties, every week for drag race expertise. And the exact opposite of that. Either way, it's a geeky. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, grrr. okay. Get How out. could I possibly get out. take your no. cute cats that keep walking all over you and making know. me wish that I had a My pet? Sweet and get, get out of this podcast. I need a door slam like <laughs> right now as I throw you out of the house. Thanks for listening to the Apocalypse Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, go to ApocalypsePodcastNetwork.com. And remember, every time you support one of our sponsors, you're supporting the podcast you just heard. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. <laughs>